in the, the Gospel of Mark, and the, the title of our whole sermon series uh, is The Way of Jesus. Very simply, we say that because we will be following the way of Jesus. Mark is a very unique gospel of the four gospels in the New Testament as it um, shows us the opening scenes of Jesus, his life, and his ministry. But Mark kind of is a man of action, and he gets right to the point. And so you'll even see from today's text, which I'll read in a moment, that Mark tends to skip over a lot of details. But it's a great reminder in and of itself that we have four Gospels that all together give us the full picture and tell us the full recorded story of Jesus' life and ministry. And so it's important when you're reading through a Gospel as you read in preparation for the Sunday messages or after when you go home and reread what we've covered, uh, especially if you have a study Bible, you'll see our reference Bible will give you references to the other Gospels that you should go to them. And uh, it will help you to fill in some of the details in the picture. But we'll do some of that this morning. But we're just going to look at just a, a handful of verses today. We are in Mark chapter 1. And it is uh, verses 14 to 20. Again, we are studying the Gospel of Mark. And it is all about the way of Jesus. Not only what he teaches but the fact that Mark really focuses on the fact that Jesus was on the way to Calvary. And this morning, we're going to talk about discipleship. He calls his first disciples. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he finds Andrew and Simon, John and James, and he calls them. But for us, there is a distinct call as well. A call to discipleship. And Mark gets right to the heart of the matter. And he gets right to it. And you're going to see some words in our passage this morning like immediately that he uses multiple times. The call is immediate. But for us, what is our response? So let's look at his word now. This is Mark 1, 14 to 20. It is the beginning of Jesus' ministry and his calling of the first disciples. And so it says this. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, followed him. That's just our text for this morning. That's it. We see Jesus beginning his ministry and Mark just simply tells us that he is in Galilee after the time of John the Baptist's arrest and he is preaching very simply this message. It is time. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. The good news about Jesus 
being the Messiah. And then Mark tells us about how he calls some of his first disciples. He was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and it's a familiar story for many of us. And he calls them two sets of brothers, Andrew and Simon, who's called Peter, and then John and James, both in different areas, but both in that general vicinity of the Sea of Galilee. And he calls them out from being fishermen and says, you will now be fishermen of people, of all people, instead of just the fish in the sea. And that's our text for this morning. And you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I like to use checklists. Do you use checklists in your life? You know, I have two checklists that I have on my desk. One is about the sermon preparation, and one is for Sunday morning. There are other ministries that have checklists. Our AV team, the ministry team has a checklist, and you might see people around on a Sunday morning walking around with a checklist. I have two apps on my phone as well that are also reminders and checklists. Now, do I use them all? I put all kinds of information in there. But the key is, do I use them? But see, here's the thing. I have all different ways to try to remind me of things that I need to do. When I'm packing for a trip, and we can all relate to this, I create a list of things to do, things to buy, things to bring. So you don't forget to do what? To bring all of the stuff that you need. And we all need stuff, right? When we're going on a trip or a vacation. I remember as a youth pastor, we would always pack for for winter camp or summer camp. And you know, and it would always work out this way. Don't know why, but of course, we'd have all of the young girls and they would overpack and bring all kinds of suitcases for a two and a half day trip, right? We even had to kind of cut back. We didn't even have room in the van for it, so we had to limit that. But then, of course, there was the young teenage boys who would pack a little backpack. Hopefully, they'd remember their deodorant. We'd put it on their list. But you know what the one thing that most often our teenage boys would forget to bring to winter camp? Their coat. So I would actually have to pack a few extra winter coats. Because they would inevitably show up to winter camp without their coat. There was something about teenage boys in coats. It just didn't connect and they didn't want to bring it. But they had to bring some kind of stuff. And when we create a list before we travel, it is so we don't forget our baggage things that we believe are important, all of those items that we like to just check off of our list. Well, you know, a call to be a disciple, in many ways, is just the opposite. It is a call not to make sure you're all prepared and what are those things that you're going to bring. It is a call to leave behind. It's not a call for checklists or itineraries. It's a call to say, let's leave it all behind. And so we're going to look through this passage verse by verse. There's just a few of them. And see what God is showing us this morning about Jesus' beginning of His ministry and what it looks like for Him to call His first disciples. But then importantly, how does that apply to us as disciples? So we'll get into some of those details. I want to show you a map first of all. Sometimes I like to do this because... We have to have perspective, right? Now, I don't expect you to read all the details. This is more of like an overview, okay? So if you can't see all the details, don't worry. It's not your eyes going or anything, okay? But just so you notice, you can see the different areas. This is Palestine during the time of Jesus, okay? So we get an idea. There's the Mediterranean Sea. 
right? We can see sort of, you see where Judea is? You see that? And then there's Samaria and then Galilee at the top. See that? I just want to give you an idea. Where it says the word Judea, right next to it, it has Jerusalem. So that's about where Jerusalem is. Okay? And you can see there's the Dead Sea and then there's the Sea of Galilee. The River Jordan connects them. Just to give you an idea. But Jesus spent most of his ministry time traveling between Judea and Galilee. You see that? He would go through Samaria. Okay? Kind of filling in some of the the ideas, right? So you have an idea. It's important as we talk about and go through the Gospel of Mark, kind of having a a bird's eye view of where was Jesus. When it says he was in Galilee, where is Galilee? Because our passage opens this morning where it says Jesus came into Galilee. So that's up north because Jerusalem is down there in Judea. Okay? Bethlehem down around there. But what's up in Galilee is Nazareth. Okay? And so he's traveling sort of up and down that pathway. Do you see that? Then there's the River Jordan. So that is the general area where Jesus is ministering. Right? Gives us an idea. And here's one of the reasons I mentioned that. Okay? And this is important to our study in our text. But when Mark, who likes to leave out details, because again, he's a man of action, he's getting right to the heart of the matter, he starts off this passage by saying, now after John was arrested, okay, hold on, we haven't heard anything about that, he just says after John was arrested. So if you read the other Gospels, you'll see that John, the Baptist, that's who he's talking about, was eventually arrested, okay, and this says after that, okay, it's important to notice There was almost a year, the very first year of Jesus' ministry, okay, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, after he was tempted in the desert for the 40 days, remember that? He spent about a year in Judea, okay, in and around Jerusalem, right? That's the area he spent about his first year. But then Mark kind of skips that, and he picks right up, and he says, after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee. So about the first year of Jesus' ministry, he's in and around Judea, and then he travels up, he travels north, up to Galilee. Okay, And that's where we pick it up today. So he is in Galilee after about nine months, nine to twelve months of his first year of, of uh, ministry, which you read all about in the other Gospels as well. He comes into the, the region of Galilee doing what? Proclaiming the gospel of God. So our, our passage really today has two sections. It's first about what is Jesus preaching, but then what does he call our response to be to that? So he starts off by saying, Mark does, that Jesus came preaching the gospel of God. It is the time that is fulfilled, and the gospel is that the kingdom is at hand. We spent a, a, a while talking last time about the fulfillment of time. It was the right time. And Jesus was saying, the time is now. The time is at hand. To do what? Repent. To change your mind about who the Messiah is. That's what repent means. To make that change. That's something you didn't believe. To now believing. So he's saying, believe in me as the Messiah. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And Here's what he's saying. The kingdom of God is at hand. What he means is, I have arrived. I am here. The kingdom is in your midst. So Jesus is in their midst. 
In the flesh, He is there. God incarnate. Now today, we don't have Jesus walking among us in the flesh. But as the church, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have Jesus walking with us every day all along the way. On the way of Jesus, He is there every step of the way. So we are called to be His disciples. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. He is telling them, the nation Israel, I am here. The kingdom is in your midst. Receive me as your king. To us, the church, he says, receive me as your savior. And I will be with you every step of the way. But then our focus really is on verses 16 to 20. The calling of the first disciples. I'd like you to notice this thing first. He says, follow me in verse 17. Follow me. You know, back in in that time of Jesus, there were rabbis. Jesus was called a rabbi, right? Rabbi meaning teacher. And so people would seek out the rabbis. People would seek out the rabbis to follow them as their master, as their leader. Just like everything else that God does, just the opposite of the way the world works, right? Jesus seeks out his followers. Isn't that beautiful? See, everybody would seek after a rabbi to sit at their feet and to follow their teaching, but Jesus seeks out and calls his followers, his disciples. He does that for us. If you do not know that yet this morning, Jesus is calling you. That's what he does. He seeks out His disciples to follow Him. Just as a reference, we won't turn to it, but um, you can write down that you should look at John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1, especially verses 35 to 51. You see all about John the Baptist and his first disciples and and, uh, then them turning to Jesus. But that's a good reference to fill in some of the details. But what happens here in our passage... It says Jesus comes to Galilee and He's preaching the kingdom of God as His message. But then He's passing along the Sea of Galilee. We saw that on the map. So He is in. He was in Judea. He's in now Galilee. And He goes to the, to the Sea of Galilee up there, up in the north. And He sees two fishermen. He sees Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon. So they're brothers. There are these two brothers that are casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Simple enough, right? So he comes alongside the Sea of Galilee. He sees these two brothers casting a net into the sea. And Jesus very simply says to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Look at what verse 18 says, so important. What was their response? And immediately, immediately, They left their nets and followed Him. Going a little further, verse 19 says, He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, so another set of brothers. So now we have James and John being added to Andrew and Simon. And it says that they were in their boat mending nets. So we had the first set of brothers casting their nets, and the other set were mending their nets. They were casting nets. And bending. Verse 20 says what? And immediately. See that? And immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants 
They followed him. They followed him. So Mark uses that word immediately twice. See, that's Mark's writing style. He's a man on a mission. Because again, it's all about on the way. On the way to Calvary. He's talking all about the life and ministry of Jesus. And he says, this is the way. He talks about the calling of the first disciples. They were casting nets. They were mending their nets. That was their life. But let me fill in an important detail here. We can see from other Gospels that this was not the first time that they had ever heard of or met Jesus. And that's important. Why? It doesn't take away from the fact that they immediately left. And we'll get to that in a moment. But see, they had already met Him and knew about Him. If you read about John, if you read in John and the other Gospels, there was a time when at least Andrew that we know of was a follower of John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist came first, right? And he was that last prophet before the last Old Testament prophet that we see about in the, uh, in the Gospels, and then he makes the way for Jesus. It says, prepare the way. And so he is preparing the way, and he has his disciples. But John, listen, John the Baptist didn't want to keep his disciples. He wasn't preaching that he was the Messiah, right? The Messiah was Jesus, the one to come. The one whose sandals that John the Baptist said he wasn't even fit to tie. And so there is this great scene that we see Mark doesn't cover, but there's a great scene that happens even twice where John the Baptist is with some of his disciples. Andrew was one of them. And he sees Jesus approaching. After he had baptized him, he sees his approaching, and he says what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then it tells us elsewhere that then they followed Jesus. See, John the Baptist pointed the way. He was a disciple making disciples. See that? And he pointed the way. Then they began to follow Jesus. Meaning this, they believed. They believed He was the Messiah. That's what we see. So they became believers in Jesus the Messiah. They repented. They repented. They changed their mind about who was the Messiah. Was there even a Messiah to come? And they believed Jesus is the One. And so they believed. But now... We see Mark says that Jesus is passing along the Sea of Galilee and He then calls them to do what? To follow. See, the way I read it and understand it, they were believers. They were already believers. They had met Him. They had gone back to fishing. Isn't that interesting? They had gone back to their business after having recognized Jesus as the Messiah. But now, what does Jesus do? He calls believers to a deeper commitment he says follow me see we believe in the lord jesus christ for salvation the gospel makes it very clear right remember the philippian jailer says how must i be saved they tell him believe in the lord jesus christ and you will be saved that's what it takes you believe when we believe we put our faith and trust in jesus as savior for our eternal security and salvation there's two things that happen when we believe. We accept the facts about who Jesus is, but we also put our trust and faith in Him. But then, we are to choose to be a disciple. Choose to follow Him. See, Andrew, Simon, then we see John and James, two sets of brothers, fishermen, all of them, believed in the Lord Jesus. But now He comes alongside and says, come and follow Me. Be my disciples, and 
and I will make you fishers of men. So it's an important decision, uh, distinction to make. They had known Jesus. They'd gone back to their business. But now Jesus invites them to follow him. And isn't it awesome to see their response? It says immediately. Immediately they dropped what they were doing to follow him. But follow him to do what? To make other disciples. Because Jesus didn't say, come and follow me and learn some cool things. He didn't say, just come and follow me and we'll have a good time for the next three years. Come and follow me. I'll show you some miracles. Give you some free food, right? All of that. No. He says, come and follow me and what? And I'll make you fishers of all people. Fishers of men. Isn't it great that Jesus puts it in that context? Because they were already fishermen. He says, okay, you're fishermen at heart. You understand the process. I'm going to use that. And now you're going to be my disciples. You're going to use those qualities, those gifts, those talents, and you're going to use it for my glory. Doesn't he do the same thing for us? When Jesus Christ calls us, when we first believe in him as the Lord Jesus, and then we are called to make that commitment to be disciples, he doesn't call each of us to leave our jobs. Right? Maybe he does. and Maybe he calls you to a, a different line of work. Maybe he calls you into full-time ministry. But for the most of us, I would say here, what does he call you to do? Whatever your vocation may be, your lot in life, your calling in life, you're a laborer, you're a stay-at-home parent, you're an entrepreneur, a businesswoman, whatever it is, you are called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower, making other disciples doing just that. I don't see our brother Steve Strickler here today. Is he here? I think we all know who he is. And so I just want to, even if you don't know, it doesn't matter. It matters to him, of course. It matters. It doesn't matter for the context of what I'm about to say. One of the things that I love most about my brother Steve Strickler, he comes into church a couple days a week before or after work, and we talk about Scripture, and, and he's got such a great knowledge of the Word. I love it. I talk to him about what my sermon's going to be, you know. But you know what he always says to me every time? I say, oh, Steve, you're going to work, coming back from work? He says, yeah, I just came back from my ministry. Or, yeah, I'm heading on to my ministry. Because Steve Strifler gets it. Because he knows that his job working in the healthcare industry he's been doing for many years, that is his ministry. Yes, he makes a living doing it. And that's how he can pay his bills and survive. It's something we all have to do. It's a day-to-day life. But he doesn't see it as just a job, see? It's his ministry. Because he goes to represent Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus, going to make other disciples, telling them about the Lord Jesus. He does it in such amazing ways, and he just has a way about him, and he tells all those awesome jokes that he tells, right? (laughs) And he tells me often about how he gets in an elevator with some of his doctor friends and the people, and he says sometimes they just have that look on their face like, I just got in an elevator with Steve Strickler. But he laughs about it. Why? Because he, they know he's going to hear, they're going to hear some corny jokes and all that. But you know what? He works right into it, his faith. And he wears it right on his sleeve, doesn't it? Doesn't he? But that's what we're all called to do. That's how we're called to see our jobs, those things that we do for our vocation, whatever it is that God has given us of our daily routine, our daily lives, we are to do it as a disciple of Christ. See? Everything in that sense is a ministry. So we are called to learn. Yes, Jesus called His disciples to learn. 
he taught them for a little bit more than three years. He taught them and he spoke into their lives and he spent so much time with them. He invested in especially those 12 disciples. He taught them to grow so they could learn and then start growing. But ultimately it was to serve. To serve others how? Most importantly, by sharing that faith. By leading others to the Lord Jesus. He called them and said, come follow me. We are then to say yes. And then call others and say, would you come follow Jesus right along with me? So we are to do what Jesus did. Pour into others, invest in others' lives. That is to be our response. That was what they did. For believers like Andrew and Peter, James and John, it was a sure call to discipleship. To a deeper commitment. They had believed He was the Messiah and they went back to their fishing business. Then Jesus finds them and says, it's time to follow Me. And immediately they left. They left behind their business. Probably had it taken care of somebody else watching over it. Because don't we see elsewhere in the Gospels and Scripture that after Jesus is crucified and they are all disheartened, some of them go right back to fishing. They had their businesses there, but they left that. They left it behind. See, there weren't a checklist. Jesus didn't say, here's what we're going to do. Come and follow me. And then they say, okay, let me just check everything off to make sure it makes sense for me. Jesus tells other stories elsewhere. We'll get to as we look through Mark about the rich young ruler, right? About the person that let me go bury my father. And Jesus talks all about discipleship. Are we not called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him? That's what Jesus means by discipleship. It's about leaving all of the stuff behind. See, we like to make checklists. and What is it we need to bring when we go away? When we start a journey to bring all this stuff so we have everything cared for, right? So we're comfortable, so we can go and go about our business and not interrupt our daily routine so much so we have everything that we need, right? Jesus says, come follow me. They left their nets. They left what they knew. And immediately, they followed him. They were casting their nets, mending their nets. But Jesus' call to follow me was the call to participate in what God was doing. It's a work of transformation, of change and growth. It's about moving to a larger vision, about reorienting our lives to the call of the Lord Jesus. Oftentimes, our response is not to just drop our nets, but usually it's the questions. God's calling us to do something, and we don't immediately just say, okay, God, what does it usually mean? Maybe we get out our checklists. We start asking God questions. Well, God, what's this? what does this mean? Where are we going exactly? Can you kind of give me the map and the whole itinerary? What is this going to look like for me and my family? And what's it going to cost me? What do I have to give up? Do I have to leave everything behind? Can can I bring some of it with me? That conversation doesn't really take place in, in our passage today. Jesus didn't offer the map or even a true destination. He just says, here's what we're going to do. You're going to follow me. You're fishermen. I'm going to teach you to be fishermen of people. I'm going to take your gifts and your talents that I've given you. You're going to use it for my purposes and my glory. That's the type of G- the journey that Jesus calls us on. 
Jesus says to follow him. He doesn't tell us what to bring. And their response is awesome. Immediately they left their nets. Even John and James, it says, they left their father Zebedee in the boat and followed him. They left behind nets, boats, even relationships. Is that part of your experience? Have you had to leave behind relationships, perhaps, in following Jesus? Some of you are nodding your heads, you're understanding. That's the hard part for most of us. You know, we're pretty good at accumulating things, clinging on to things so we don't let go. But our spiritual call and our spiritual growth and our spiritual journey is one of not accumulating, but of letting go. We're really never going to get anywhere as long as we're unwilling to leave where we are and what we have. Jesus' invitation to follow is not one for us to create a checklist and start packing up. It's one where we are called to lay it all down. To lay it all down at the feet of Jesus at the foot of the cross. He may not be calling us to change careers to disown family and friends, or even a move to a new town. It really is a call to freedom. You know, yesterday we had the work day. I said we had the dumpster. You know, it's great. It's so cathartic, isn't it, when you're able to just throw stuff away. Did you ever do that? Some people are shaking. No. Some of us that are hoarders. Right? Yeah. We don't like that idea. But I'm telling you, it's a great feeling. You get that big dumpster and it's empty. You just can't wait to fill it. We're, there was a lot of people busy here carrying stuff out. And I was just like, I hope that's supposed to go because it's going. And there it goes. You know, we, we moved recently. We filled the dumpster. And it was kind of sad because when we had moved maybe three or four years ago, we had a small dumpster. We filled that too. I'm like, where did all this stuff come from? When you have more room, what happens? You get more stuff, right? But it's so good to throw stuff out, to get rid of it, to leave it behind. And what what does it show? It indicates that you're starting new. You're starting with a clean slate. Jesus says, follow me. They had known Jesus and recognized Him as Messiah. And now Jesus says, now it's time to be my disciples. It's time to be committed to learning, to growing, and to serving. By being fishermen of all people. It's a call to discipleship. So we believe in the Lord Jesus for salvation. Then he says, you know what? You're now to be my disciple. Make that choice. Follow me. It's scary. Why? Because we don't have a checklist. Because we don't have a map. We don't have an itinerary. We don't even know perhaps the whole destination. We only know that Jesus says, follow me. Could you imagine being Abraham when God says, Come on out, and you're going to go where I tell you to go, and Abraham just kind of starts walking. That's the way we're supposed to be. Andrew, Simon, John, James, two sets of brothers. We even know from elsewhere that they were kind of partners. And so they they had a lucrative business probably in the Sea of Galilee. Fish was a big staple, right? So they, they were doing pretty well. Jesus says, follow me. Now he might not be calling you, to give up your lucrative business or career. But he's calling you to be a disciple right where you are. Maybe you're retired. Maybe the opposite is true. Maybe he's calling you out of retirement and just coasting the rest of the way in life. And 
and says, you know what, i got a job for you to do. I'm always reminded of Moses. God calls Moses when he was 80. He had a time of preparation, right? But he was 40 years being prepared in the house of Pharaoh, 40 years in the wilderness, right? Just being a husband and a father and tending the sheep and the flock. And then says, God says, okay, you're 80, now it's time. So those of you who are 80 or above, maybe now's the time. You never know. But Jesus called them right where they were. Right where they were. Right where he was walking along the sea. He knew where they'd be, of course. And he says, come, follow me. What a freeing thing that is. It really is. It's a call to freedom. Maybe we don't think of it that way because there's so much that's unknown. But I think that's the beautiful part of the Christian journey. I really do. You know, deep down, of course, we would all love Jesus to just show right up and lay out the blueprints for our lives right on our kitchen table and say, here's how it's going to work out. But you know what? That wouldn't be any fun. Of course, that we wouldn't have to have faith and trust in Him. But that's the beautiful part of the Christian journey. We take the one step at a time. Right? He doesn't just give us a floodlight and just reveal the whole path for us. It's like a flashlight. It's just one step at a time. One step at a time. We might not see what's ahead. But what we do know is clear is Jesus says, follow me. That is an invitation. Now the disciples, these new disciples, they would learn to count the cost. Because elsewhere Jesus makes it very clear that we are to count the cost of being disciples because there is a cost. And what's the cost? It's our lives. It's to give up everything. It's to give up our own will, our own desires and passions, and to surrender it to Him. And the closer we draw to Him, the more in tune we are with the Spirit inside of us. We also know the Bible tells us that our desires will be His desires. You see? How they they draw together, become one. That's the goal and the idea. But we are to lay it all down at His feet. Jesus spent many years teaching these disciples. Showing them how to do it. He lived by example. He spoke into their lives and they learned a lot. They also learned that discipleship was costly. You know, Jesus often looked out over the crowds of all the thousands. Many of them he called disciples because a disciple is a learner. That's what a disciple is. That's why they were disciples of rabbis because they would learn. They would sit and learn. But you're supposed to learn and then mimic the master. Jesus called many people disciples so often he would look out and be disheartened because he knew that many of them they were learning but they weren't willing to go all the way with him but he calls these first disciples and he says follow me they didn't really know what was ahead but they were following him let me make a note about that so important jesus please note this and you can put it back up on the screen when he says in verse 17 these two most important words for this morning He says, follow me. Do you see that? Follow me. Jesus, there's a lot wrapped up in that, but please note, Jesus doesn't say, just follow my teaching. He doesn't just say, follow my footsteps. He doesn't just say, follow my voice. Those are all important and part of it. But you know what he says? He says, follow me. Follow me. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He was inviting us to be with Him. God in the flesh. He said, follow me. 
wrapped up in that is his teaching, his example, his words, everything. But the most important thing for us to remember is to follow him. There's a huge difference, a world of difference between knowing about him and knowing him. He's saying, come and know me. Come and be with me. Come and follow me. For the kingdom of God is at hand because I am here. I am here. Your king has arrived. And just to conclude this, you know, we are to ask ourselves about our response because we see the response of these four early disciples. They immediately left what they were doing. They immediately left. They knew who he was. He called them to discipleship. They were willing to lay it down. You know, they were casting and they were mending. That was their daily routine. That was their life. If any of you are a fisherman, you kind of know what that's like, right? You might not cast a net, but what do you do? You cast out your line and you wait. Maybe you reel it in and you cast out again. Maybe you put a new lure on there. You cast. Maybe you have to mend your wire, your line. But you cast and you mend. You cast and you mend. We all do that. That's our daily lives. We cast and we mend. We cast and we mend. We do it as husbands and wives. We do it as business owners. We do it in our jobs. We do it in preparation for retirement. We do it so we can have food on the table each and every day, so we have a house to live in. That's our daily lives. You see that? But Jesus meets us in the ordinary to make our lives extraordinary. It only happens when we say yes and we choose to follow Him. So His call to those disciples is our call this morning. Yes, they left their business and they left it. But you know what? Jesus is not here in the flesh right now for us to follow after Him physically. But as the church, listen, we have Him with us every step of the way. Jesus said it was even better for Him to leave so He could give us the Holy Spirit within us, the One who would comfort and guide and direct us. We have Him every step of this great journey that we call the Christian life. And we are to follow Him every step of that way. We say yes to Jesus. We say yes to Him as Savior. Are you willing to say yes to Him as Lord? To be His disciple. There will be a cost. What is that cost? To lay it all down. Put the checklist aside. Put the baggage, put your luggage aside. Lay it all down at His feet. And simply follow Him. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we know there's so much more in there, God, and, and we can only really scratch the surface about what that can truly mean to us to be your followers. But God, we thank you for the example of what you did with your first disciples. God, we thank you that you then came back to those you know who believed and you said, now is the time. Lord God, God, I'm pleading with you. If there is somebody here in our midst right now that has walked into this room and has not yet know you as Savior, believing in you as that promised Messiah, God, would today be the day? Would today be the day of belief and trust and salvation? So that, God, they can then make that choice 
choose to be your follower and disciple, Lord God. What a choice that is. For those of us, God, that already believe in you, would you help us to make that commitment strong and firm? Help us to recognize, Lord God, to be convicted, please, Lord, even if it hurts, to know what you call of us, what you call us to do and expect of us is to surrender our very lives. For you gave up your life for us, so we know we are to live our life for you. God, that's not just outside of our nine-to-five day. That's every moment. That's every second of every day. God, we never, we never put aside, we never put aside our name and our identity as Christians. We don't just put that hat on on Sundays. God, it's every day. We, God, we know that you call us lay it all down. So God, would you help us? Would you give us the courage, the strength, the wisdom, discernment to say yes to do as Andrew and Simon John and James did and just to get up out of our boats to put down our nets and immediately follow you father for some of us it may mean leaving behind friends and family convict us if that's the case God but may we never put anything or anyone before you. Whatever that obstacle is, God, show us how to lay it down. We know that we need to. God, sometimes it's hard. The call may be simple and direct, but the response isn't always that easy. Lord, we we like our stuff. We like the things in our lives that make us comfortable, and and those things are good, and, and it's okay, God, and we know that, but we never never want anything or anyone to get between us and you. God, we, we want to be your disciples. We want to be learners that are growing and then serving. God, would you help us to do that? Because we need you. We cannot do it on our own. God, be merciful. We need your mercy need your mercy, Lord, and of course your grace. Bless us with those things that we certainly don't deserve. Go before us through your spirit to prepare the way as John the Baptist did for Jesus. Would you prepare the way now for us to follow the Master, to walk in his footsteps, to learn his teachings, to grow in our trust in him, and then to tell others we have found lead others to also be disciples God may we be disciples making disciples but we do it all ultimately for your glory but we do it in the power of the spirit we do it in the name of Jesus Amen